0: Easter Sunday service, we're going to consider the Easter accounts of the four Gospels, as well as St. Paul's words to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We begin with the Gospel of Matthew. We read from 28, beginning at verse 1. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, he rolled away the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes was as white as snow. The guards were so terrified of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. Go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead, and look, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. They hurried away from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings they approached, took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers that they should go to Galilee. There they will see me. As they were on their way, there were some members of the guard who went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. After the chief priests had assembled with the elders and had reached a decision, They gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say his disciples came at night and stole him away while we were sleeping. If the governor hears it, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. After the soldiers took the money, they did as they were instructed. And this story has been repeated among the Jews until this day. This is the gospel We read from the Gospel of Mark. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they could go and anoint Jesus. Very early on the first day of the week at sunrise, they went to the tomb. They were saying to each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance to the tomb for us? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. They said, he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. They went out and hurried away from the tomb, trembling and perplexed. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. After Jesus had risen early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and reported it to those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. When they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, They did not believe it. After these things, Jesus appeared in another form to two of them as as they were walking along on their way to the country. These two also returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table. He rebuked them for their unbelief, and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. This is the gospel. We read from the gospel of Luke. When they returned from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven, and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Yet these words seemed to them like nonsense, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over to look in, he saw only the strips of linen cloth. He went home amazed at what had happened. Now on the way, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about all of these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing this, Jesus himself approached and began to walk along with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? Saddened, they stopped. One of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked them. They replied, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel. Not only that, but besides all this, it is now the third day since all these things happened. Also, some women of our group amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. When they did not find his body, they came back saying, that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb. They found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and to enter his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village where they were going, he acted as if he were going to travel farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, since it is almost evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he reclined at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and began giving it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Then he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us along the road, and while he was explaining the scriptures to us? They got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those who were with them assembled together. They were saying, the Lord really has been raised. He has appeared to Simon. They themselves described what happened along the road and how they recognized him when he broke the bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. This is the gospel. We read from the Gospel of John. On the evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were together behind locked doors because of their fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. Just as the Father has sent to me, I am also sending you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whenever you forgive people's sins, they are forgiven. And whenever you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. But Thomas, one of the twelve, the one called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples kept telling him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, "'Unless I see the nail marks in his hands "'and put my fingers where the marks of the nails "'and put my hand into his side, "'I will never believe.'" After eight days, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. "'Peace be with you,' he said. Then he said to Thomas, "'Put your finger here and look at my hands.'" Take your hand and put it into my side. Do not continue to doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus, in the presence of his disciples, did many other miraculous signs that are not recorded in this book but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is the gospel. We read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. St. Paul writes, Brothers, I am going to call your attention to the gospel that I preach to you. You received it, and you took your stand on it. You are also being saved by that gospel that was expressed in the words I preach to you if you keep your hold on it unless you believe in unless you believe in vain i deliver to you as of first importance that i also received that christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures that he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures that he appeared to cephas Then to the twelve. After that he appeared to over five hundred brothers at the same time, most of whom are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, he appeared also to me, the stillborn child, so to speak. Now it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead. How is it that some of you, among you, say, that there is no resurrection of the dead. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is pointless, and our faith is pointless too. Then we are even guilty of giving false testimony about God because we testified about God, that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it were true that the dead are not raised. If the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then it also follows that those who fell asleep in Christ perish. If our hope in Christ applies only to this life, we are the most pitied people of all. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now I say this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And what is perishable is not going to inherit what is imperishable. Look, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment in the brink of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability and this mortal body must put on immortality but once this perishable body has put on imperishability and this mortal body has put on immortality then what is written will be fulfilled death is swallowed up in victory death where is your sting grave where is your victory the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the Lord's work, because you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in Revelation chapter 22. We read verses 1 through 5, and we do so concluding our sermon series on the stained glass windows that were recently made and installed and and the whole sermon series, considering the text of each of the windows. And we finish with Revelation 22, the very last window on this side of the church. read: The angel showed me the river of the water of life, which was as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. In the middle of the city street and on each side of the river was a tree of life that yielded twelve kinds of fruit. The tree yields its fruit every month, and its leaves are for the healing of the nations. There will be there will no longer be any curse the throne of God and the lamb will be in the city his servants will worship him they will see his face his name will be on their foreheads they will no longer there will no longer be any night or any need for lamplight or sunlight because the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Heaven is our home. I have probably said those words millions of times, and not just here in church, but many times when I have counseled people, and especially at the bedside of someone sick or even dying. Heaven is our home. And I say this because it is so true. We know it because Jesus died on the cross to pay for the sins of the world and won for us that forgiveness of sins. We know it because he rose from the dead, conquered death. Remember, his resurrection proves that he is God. His resurrection proves that God the Father accepted the sacrifice of atonement. And his resurrection proves that there is life after death. The gates of heaven are open, and heaven is our home. But even saying those words, I don't say them just simply because it's cute and it's the thing you expect the pastor to say. I say those words because they are so true, and yet to fathom them is, is truly profound. Heaven is our home? What is that even like, that heaven? Well, I draw your attention to the beautiful words I just read from Revelation 22, upon which the stained glass window has been based. You will see in the stained glass window a cross, but the cross is empty, showing the resurrection, and you'll see the rays coming out from the cross, certainly signifying God's glory for us all. Right underneath the cross you will see a sun, but in heaven there will be no sun. There will be no need for a sun. So the sun does not represent the physical sun that we see today and that's rising as we speak. But rather this sun represents God. He is the light in heaven who provides all we need, especially that light. But you will also see in the stained glass window that under the sun is a river. Again, taken from Revelation 22. The river is not like a river we would see here on earth. No, this river is described as the river that is the water of life. It gives eternal life. In fact, this river is as clear as crystal. There is no impurities with this river. And this river flows from the throne of God. This river that gives eternal life gives our eternal salvation. This is the river of God's grace and the forgiveness that is ours. It reminds us that our salvation is not based on what we do. It flows from God. It comes from God. This water of life also has the tree of life. Now, in verse 2 of our chapter here, we have one of the most difficult passages to translate from the original language. Some translate when it starts talking about the street, that the river flows down the middle of the street, which comes from the throne of God, and that the tree of life actually is growing over the river, and the roots have grabbed into the banks, feeding from the water. Some will take these words to to paint the picture that there's actually, the street is on one side, the river is on the other side, and down the middle is actually the tree of life, which once again has its roots on the bank of the water of life, that river, and feeds from that river. These words remind us that there is the water of life this river, and there is the tree of life, which really takes us back to the Garden of Eden because there we find that there was a river that flowed through the Garden of Eden to actually water the garden and that there were actually two special trees in the middle of the garden. There was the tree of life and there was also the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God told them not to eat from that tree or you would surely die. When it came to the tree of life, in their perfect sinless state that they were created in, if they ate from that tree, they would be confirmed in that sinless state and live forever in pure holiness with no sin. The sad truth is, is they ate from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which Satan tempted them to eat from. And when they did, Not only did that sin curse their human nature, but it cursed all of creation. And so the Lord actually put a cherubim and a flashing sword as he removed them from the Garden of Eden and from the Tree of Life. Because he did not want them to eat from that Tree of Life and therefore be confirmed in their sinful state forever. It was really an act of mercy he removed them from the garden of Eden. But we hear of no cherubim in here in what the vision that that John received from the angel. We hear of no flaming sword to keep anyone from the tree of life. The tree of life is, is planted and feeding from the river of life. That river which is the water of life. This tree of life is there for us to eat. But we are sinners, so how can we eat from it? Except that our sins have been paid for. And what, again, is flowing from that river is God's grace and forgiveness. In fact, we hear these words, and there will no longer be any curse. No curse means no sin. No sin means no guilt. No guilt means no fear over death. No more. No more suffering and pain and all the things that we deal with in this life because of sin and our own sins. All gone, all paid for. We eat from the tree of life because we have been declared holy and by the Holy Spirit working in our hearts being made holy, and in heaven we will be holy. And with that holiness, the best part of heaven is going to be seeing the throne of God. Because the most important one in this entire entire picture is actually the one sitting on the throne. It is our God, and the Lamb is right there. That Lamb who who has paid for our sins and rose again, and and that very Lamb who said, Because I live, you too shall live, is the very one we will be able to see with our own eyes. Yes. He said, the, He says here, you will see his face. His name will be on your foreheads. Unlike Moses, who only could see a shadow of God's backside, we get to see God in his face. God told Moses that no one could look upon his face and live, that is, no sinful human being. But since there's no curse, since we're not living with sin anymore, we get to see him with our own eyes. And then to hear that his name is on our forehead means that we belong to him. We are his possession, and our God is our possession. We are his people. He is our God. And in heaven, we're not just going to be sitting around like couch potatoes and lazy bums, if you will. We're going to be in heaven worshiping the Lord and serving him. A worship that says here where we will reign, they will reign forever and ever. We will reign as kings and queens. We will reign as priests of God. Looking to the high priest who gave his life and paid for the sins of the world. And this will be forever and ever a time without end. No more death in heaven. Only pure joy. Joining the heavenly choirs, the holy angels, and giving all praise and glory to our Lord. And even though God doesn't give us every detail about heaven, what a joy it is to hear the little bit we do receive. And yes, this is all in picture language, because God is using here earthly words to describe something that's truly out of this world. But the truth remains, heaven is our home. In fact, not only when you look at the stained glass window, be reminded of that glorious truth, but I also pray you take to heart the very words that I truly believe sums up what we just read from Revelation 22. The very words that we say at the closing of almost every one of our services. The very words that you and I need uh, to be our strength and our hope as we live each moment of every day with eyes focused on the fact that heaven is our home. I'm talking about the words that are called the Arianic benediction. And this is what it's about. That the Lord bless you and keep you. That the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. That the Lord look on you with his favor and give you peace knowing heaven is our home. So it is to the glory and praise of our God that this window is dedicated in this house of the Lord to edify all those who join us in this house of the Lord, especially for worship. May all know the glorious, absolute truth. Heaven is our home. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.